Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. you to remain standing as you are able for the reading of God's Word. We are people who are shaped and formed by God's Word. And so the scripture today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do pray. We pray for your grace, your goodness. Lord, we pray that your love would reside with us this day and every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I think one thing we know is that a lot of life depends on how you look at it. And sometimes people can see the same thing, but yet see things differently. Um, And so probably some of you have seen some of these things before, but um, this is something. What animal do you see? A duck? A rabbit? Some of you are like, there's no rabbit there. Um, but uh, there's a rabbit there, um, and there is a duck there, right? So we also, there's this one. Um, the next one, do you see a young lady, or do you see an old lady? Yeah. Some of you are like, I don't see anything, uh, you know? It just looks like a feather. So, uh, yeah, so there's the young lady and the old lady. I see some of you, like, telling your spouse, like, okay, look at this, you know, sort of thing. All right, um, how about this next one? How many legs does this elephant have? Elephants have four legs, you all. I don't know what you guys are seeing up there, but there are four legs in in the elephant. My dad had this up in his office uh, when I was growing up. I remember being very confused by what in the world this was. Um, And I I couldn't tell for a long time, but if you focus on the white and not the gray, um, then you're going to see Jesus there. Do you all see Jesus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm in church. I should have known the answer was Jesus, right? (laughs) Uh, 
All right, my favorite one, I came across this one here recently. Um, what do you see here? Good. Uh, do you see evil? If you saw evil, I don't know what it says about you, all right? But uh, yeah, uh, there's good and evil depending on, on what you look at, right? We live in a, a world that, that sees things from, from different perspectives and how you view the world, your worldview really shapes sort of how you live. And as we're, as we're talking about resources and we're talking about being generous, it actually starts with this idea and our perspective of how we see the world. And so we live, you're either going to kind of fall in one of two camps, and I think sometimes we may oscillate in between. You either see the world as a world of scarcity in which there are limited resources for limited people, um, and so what happens with scarcity, or you see a world of abundance in which there is plenty for everybody, and, and there is more than enough. And what happens is, based on how we see the world, depends on how we live our lives. And so if you, if you know me, you know that I love my cycles in which the way that we, uh, one thing affects another thing. And so if we follow this cycle of scarcity, this is what we see with the world. All right, is that if we see that there is a scarce number of resources, all right, then, then what happens is we live our life as a manner of comparison. All right, and so it could be that our, our children are going to go and they're going to open their fruit snacks, and some are going to have 11, and others are going to have 12. And the people who are going to have 11, they're going to say, I don't have as many as the next person. We, we do this, right? So some people have said that comparison is the thief of joy. And that we live our lives comparing ourselves to other people. And here's the truth, is that if we live our lives with this scarcity, that there is always, that there's somebody who has more, which means I have less, then we constantly compare ourselves and we fail to measure up. Because there is always somebody who has more power. There's, already, there's always somebody who is prettier. There's always somebody who has more money. There's always somebody who has a bigger house. There's somebody who has a nicer car. There's somebody whose life appears to be more perfect. And so if we live our lives scarcity, then we begin finding ourselves comparing everything to another. Now what happens is if we live our lives on comparison, is that comparison produces bitterness. Because what happens is, is that we begin to live in a world in which there are the haves and the have-nots, and somehow we always find ourselves as being a have-not. Um, being... Even being here today, and I don't know all of your all's life situation, um, but I think I heard a stat, and, and Levi, you said it a couple weeks ago, like, if you have two cars and a home, you're richer than 95% of the world. You're in the top 5%. Many of us may not think of ourselves as the top 5%ers, but if we compared ourselves to the world, we would say, wow, aren't we beneficial? But instead of comparing ourselves to the whole world, what happens is, is we compare ourselves to the Joneses who have more, and we think, well, they don't deserve all that. They don't deserve to be that happy. They don't deserve that raise. They don't deserve that job. Look at all the work that I've put in, and we live lives of bitterness. And what happens with bitterness is that bitterness produces stinginess. And so what happens is, is that we want whatever is ours, and we keep it for ourselves because we need to take as much as we can. 
And so we become stingy people. Now, this is not just something that happens with adults, but it's something that we can see in children. Um, I, have, I have two kids, and, and one of the things that happens sometimes in our house that doesn't happen as much as it used to is that one of them will be playing over here, the other will be playing over here, and they'll grab their brother's toy, right? Now, the brother wasn't playing with the toy, all right? But as soon as the other brother gets it, right, that's my toy, they'll say, right? I was about to play with that or some story in that way. And so they want it back because, again, in a world of scarcity, mine matters a great deal. And so what happens is, is that we live in a world where a lot of people view a world of scarcity. And so they compare themselves. They see they're not keeping up, and so they become bitter because they feel like they deserve more. They're entitled to more. And so whatever they can get, they're going to hold on to, and they're going to hoard. It's mine. And so stinginess actually produces this cycle of scarcity because when we look out into the world, we see that there are scarce resources because people have them hidden away. And so what we've taught the world to know is that if you have something, you hold it and you keep it away from other people. And so people look out and they say, oh, there must not be as much in the world. There are scarce resources that are out there. I remember one time I I heard a a pastor talking about a conversation he had with people. There are sometimes we have questions for God and things that we don't always understand. And so this person had this kind of crisis question of faith is, is if God was good and loving, why would there be starving children in the world? And I think this is a reasonable question and, and maybe... You all have had that question as well, is, is how could a good and loving God make a world in which people are starving? But I love the question the pastor asked back. And, and the question was, is there enough food in the world to feed everybody? And the person thought about it and said, I think there is. He said, well, then whose responsibility is it? And so it's up to us to take the resources that God has given us, if it's something as simple as food to feed the world, and we have the capability of feeding everybody. The reason we don't is because we live in a world of scarcity and stinginess. But if you live in a world and you see a world of abundance, you see the world very differently, and it creates a very different kind of cycle. And so if we think about what it means to live an abundant life, we, we see this in the text that Paul writes to this church. Hear this in, in verse 8. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you hear the use of the word all, every, abound that's repeated there? Paul is not saying, and God is able to make some grace available to you. No, All grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency, not in some things, but in all things, not sometimes, but all times, so that you may abound in every good work, is that God's way of creating the world and living in the world is a world of abundance. That in God's economy, there is plenty. There's plenty of food. There's plenty of grace. There's plenty of love. There is plenty of relationships. Not only do I believe that there are enough, there's enough food in the world to feed everybody, I believe there is enough love in the world so that everybody, all of God's creation and children, know that they are loved. But for some reason, we live in a world of scarcity. Now what happens with abundance is abundance produces gratitude. 
all right, is that when we see that there is plenty in the world, we see a grateful life. One of the things that I loved with some of these kids is that, thank you, thank you, right? I mean, what, we, want to, we want our kids to be thankful for the gifts that they are given. Paul says it at the end of this text, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And so we have to have a perspective of abundance to be grateful people, and we have to practice gratitude. For some reason, gratitude doesn't come natural to us as humans, all right? But we have to often practice it and commit ourselves to being grateful. Now, one of the things I was talking with my son Micah earlier this week, and he said in, in school, they recently, gratitude is one of their mindsets that they're, they're doing at Lake Homa. And he said that they learned that gratitude will add seven years to your life. Think about that, that re- being and practicing gratefulness will increase not just the length of your life, but also the quality of your life. And so one of the things that my wife started in our family a few months ago was just, and when we sit din- have, and have dinner at the dinner table, is we go around and we just say three things that we're thankful for. It's really simple, and sometimes it's not that deep, but it just reminds us as people that we have to be grateful and that there are things that we are called to be grateful for. And so part of our perspective, when we look at it at the end of the day, is what is it that we can be grateful for? And so maybe it is gonna be for you at the dinner table, you're gonna write down things that you're grateful for. Maybe you can do that even over lunch today. But also there's all sorts of ways to practice gratitude. Uh, Maybe it is just a gratitude journal, and some of you may already do this at the end of the day, write all the things that you're thankful for. Maybe you can just text a a friend or somebody at the end of the day, hey, here are some things that I'm thankful for. But we have to cultivate this attitude of gratitude and this practice of it. Because what happens is, is that when we are grateful, then that produces joy in our life. Now, joy, it tells us in Galatians, is a fruit of the Spirit. It says, and the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, by that being a fruit, what that means is is that you can't decide to wake up and be joyful, all right? You can decide to be thankful, but you can't decide to be joyful because joy is a fruit. And if you don't believe me, then wake up and try to be patient one day, all right? It doesn't really work out that well, right? I'm going to be so patient today. That lasts five minutes. But if we can have an attitude of gratefulness, then that produces joy. I love this quote. It says, it's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. And so this is the proper order of things. I want to be marked by joy in my life, but that means I have to practice gratitude. Brene Brown, who sort of researches empathy and all sorts of other things, she says in her 12 years of research and over 11,000 pieces of data, she said she did not interview one person who described themselves as joyful who also did not actively practice gratitude. And so if you want to be a joy-filled person, gratitude starts it. And that is all with having the right perspective. Because out of joy then flows generosity. Is again, generosity I don't think is something you can just muster up. But I think it's something that has to flow through us. I mean, this is what Paul wrote in this text. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. If I'm not giving 
if I'm not living a life of joy or generosity to others, I'm going to live a joyless life. And the reason is, is because I see a world of scarcity. But whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. If I'm living joy, if I'm living generosity, those are the people who find themselves surrounded by joy and surrounded by generosity. And then he says these words, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now here's what I know being a pastor, is that anytime we talk about money in the church, we get a little uncomfortable about it. Some of you, and maybe if you're our guest today, we don't talk about money every Sunday. Now Jesus talked about it regularly, so I think it's important to talk about. But I think that for us, we often see money as something to be done reluctantly or under compulsion. But that's not what God wants to cultivate in us. He doesn't want to cultivate reluctant givers who give because they feel like they have to. But he wants to cultivate generous people who give because they understand all that they have been given. And so if we can have a right perspective and we can see a world of abundance, in which if I know that if I share, God has plenty for me, then I can look at all the ways that I can be grateful. I can live a life of joy, and that will result in generosity. Now, here's the amazing thing about generosity, is just as stinginess spreads, so too does generosity spread, that it, that it encourages and builds upon itself. I mean, what, what Paul was talking to this Corinthian church about was encouraging them to give back to kind of the home church in Jerusalem. And in verse 11, he says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God, is that when we are generous people, that causes other people to be grateful people because they see that there are great and wonderful people that are out there. Earlier this uh, kind of this week, I, I saw this video that was going around. Of course, Halloween was um, just a couple weeks ago, and and there was this video of uh, of a little girl. She went to one. Of, it was one of those porch cams, and uh, this family had left out a bowl because they weren't going to be there for for trick or treat. And and so this little girl, she went there and she noticed the bowl was empty. And so what happened is this little girl and she she took candy from her own bag and she put it into the, the bowl so that the kids behind her could come and get candy. And you like, you see that and you're just reminded like, if a little kid can get it, why can't I? If a little kid can't take the gifts that she's been given and share it with random strangers she doesn't know, why is it that I have a hard time even giving to people I know and love? And it was a reminder of the way that generosity is contagious. But this is also something that I've seen in this church family is the way that generosity in this place is contagious. I think about um, our own trunk or treat and, and just the thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of candy that, that you all gave in order for us to just share that generosity. The way that you all came and you built things and you designed things so that, um, so that kids could experience joy. I think about um, earlier this summer during Vacation Bible School, we, we wanted to do this fundraiser for the shoe that grows. I think our goal was to raise $1,000. And if the kids raised $1,000, then I would kiss a goat and I would eat broccoli. If you made broccoli for the potluck, I will not eat it, okay? Um, 
but, but the kids, if you raise $1,000 for the shoes that grows on Vacation Bible School, apparently I will. And so um, not only did we raise $1,000, but when you all heard about the need, we as a church raised, I think, over $5,000 for the shoe that grows because this generosity is contagious that when, when people do it, I see it in the way in which um, I know that there's ladies in our church who are, who are making hats and those hats are, are given to children's hospitals and to schools so they'll have something warm for the summer. I see it in the way that, that you all volunteer at Route 56 and with our youth program and our children's ministry. You give generously of your time. There are so many ways in which I see it amongst us already. And I see it in the way in which some of you have faithfully contributed week after week, month after month, year after year to the general fund of this church so that we can do all those things that are above and beyond. And so I am just impressed with this generosity, and I just want to spur this on. And so what we're going to do in 2020 is that we're, we've decided that 2020 is going to be the year of generosity for Mustang United Methodist Church. And the question that we're going to ask is, how can we be the most generous people in town? What can we do that, that, that will just sort of spur generosity, not only in our church, but, but through our community? A couple weeks ago, we were having a meeting, and we were just talking out various ideas. There's lots of different possibilities. But somebody said, what if we just got a, a basket of all sorts of things or got a big old bowl of chili and just took it down to the fire station and just said, here you go. Thank you so much for what you are doing. And here is our gift to you from Mustang United Methodist Church. Or what if we just chose one day in, in, the month, in, the, in March and we said on this day, we want everybody to go through the fast food line at, at McDonald's or, or Wild Hero or wherever it is in town that, that you're going to go. Um, and when you do, you're going to pay for the person behind you. And what if we had 100 people do that all across town and there was just a generosity that spread all throughout there? I don't really know exactly what God's going to do as we do these random acts of generosity. But I believe that as we as a church commit ourselves to being generous, we're going to help other people to experience gratitude for who God is and what God has done. And as they experience gratitude, they'll experience joy. And then that joy will be passed on in the form of generosity. You see, because you and I, we can be generous when we celebrate God's abundance, when we don't look at the world and say there is limited resources and so I have to hold on to everything that's mine. But whenever we say I trust God is going to provide and I can be generous not just with my finances but with my time, with my talents, with, with my attention towards other people, how can I be generous in every way? And what a difference that will make. Now, one of the great things is, is that generosity can be multiplied by community, all right? I can choose to be generous and do some things, but when we as a body of Christ choose to be generous together, then that is multiplied in tremendous ways. If we had all of those kids give some of those, if they all took their gummy snacks, and I think we had like 20 or something there, then we would have a couple packages of gummy snacks to share with you all, right? Like this is the way it works is that when we add, God adds his blessing and amazing things happen. And so that's really what we're going to do here at the end of our service is we're going to invite you to join in this generosity that is multiplied by community. That we believe that together we can do more than any individual can do by themselves. And so one of the things that I wonder is what does that look like in our church for 2020? 
if we got serious about being generous in all aspects, including our regular commitment to the church. The average person in church gives about 2.5% of their income um, to, um, to the church. So what if God's people took the tithe seriously? And we said, we're going to give 10%. Then our budget would quadruple tomorrow. And think of all the things that we could do for our neighbors, for our children, for our teenagers, if our budget quadrupled tomorrow. Or even if you guys are more generous than the average congregation, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe we get 5% and our budget doubled tomorrow. What could we do and who could we be? And so God has called us to be generous because he is a God of abundance. And he will meet all of our needs, but he calls us to generously contribute. And so what we're going to invite you to do is that we're going to have a little bit of time of prayer and, and we invite you to, to take the card that was in your bulletin. Maybe you got the one that you brought in the mail and we invite you to fill that out. Maybe some of you aren't ready to put a number down, but hey, you're saying, this is who I know God wants me to be. And so I'm going to commit myself to be generous today. And so as we sing this song, we're going to invite you just to go ahead and put it here in our chest and just express our gratitude and trust in God that even though we don't know what the future will hold, we know who holds the future and we know who God is calling us to be, people of great generosity for a world that sees a lot of scarcity. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.